do you think that there's a possibility that SC wins out and still gets left out of the college football playoff? I happen to think there is. Because if LSU beats Georgia and beats AM, then LSU will be in. Georgia will be in. Ohio State Michigan winner will be in. And TCU will be in. SC will be out, which is crazy to me. Hello and welcome in. Today is Wednesday, November 23rd, the day before Thanksgiving. We appreciate so much you being with us. Thanks that to all of you that are traveling and getting across the country or wherever it is you're going. I hope you're spending your Thanksgiving days with your loved ones. I'm in Bristol. I just got done doing the rankings reaction show. We're going to take a peek at the rankings. Of course we are. We're going to look through them. There's not as much drama here. We're not going to stomp our feet and throw stuff in the air. We're not going to lose our mind. There's a couple things that I thought were problematic. Uh, There's also a couple things that I strongly disagree with that we'll hit. We'll get to some of those. We also are going to break down a couple games because we do have games coming up a couple days from now. We know that we have Chris the Bear Felica every single Thursday. That includes on Thanksgiving. We're going to have Chris the Bear Felica join us tomorrow to give us some reaction uh, to some of the games coming up this weekend. And we're going to, of course, give you some gambling lines. That's tomorrow. But we do have some games coming up on Friday. And if you're going to watch the show at, say, noon on Friday, we want to make sure that you have some of the previews for the games that are coming up there in the early window. So let's make sure that we get to all those games accordingly. We're going to get to a game in the ACC. We're going to dive in. All right. Plenty of things that we need to get to for sure. But let's start with the college football playoff rankings reaction. All right, let's get to it. All right, let's start at the top. Georgia's one. Should be no surprise there. Ohio State and Michigan round out the top three. Fairly obvious. Thought there might be a possibility that those two maybe flip-flop. I don't I don't know. If Thought maybe the committee would be like, hey, we made you look, right? They Take a look at this one. Throw us a curveball. No, they didn't. It was fairly obvious. One, two, three, and four. Okay, TCU, of course, is four. Even though the top four really didn't look great. Last week, you can't really justify anyone outside the top four jumping in. So I had no issues whatsoever with the top four or their standing. At number five, you have the LSU Tigers. Now, is this a significant thing for some? For me, it is. Because if I look at where LSU was last week, then obviously LSU's sitting there at six. Good win against a UAB team that clearly the committee respects. Not respects to a certain extent, but I mean, it wasn't, you know, an FCS team by any stretch of the imagination. So it was a good win. LSU took care of business and looked very impressive in doing so. But let's look a little bit more at where USC is relative to LSU. If LSU wins out and USC wins out, does USC jump LSU? Does LSU control their own destiny? Does Georgia potentially become you know, in a little bit of a tricky situation at 12 and one, if they lose to LSU, I, I don't think so. Right. I think LSU is in control of their own destiny though. I, I really believe that. And I think that it would be very difficult based on where the committee has these teams right now. Okay. I know Notre Dame, that's the remaining opponent for USC. And I know A&M, that's the remaining opponent for LSU, two very different opponents. But do you really think just out of sheer curiosity right now, LSU's at five, USC's at six. Boo Corrigan just got through telling Reese Davis that, hey, they would like to see a little more defense out of USC. I'm just saying, do you think that there's a possibility that SC wins out and still gets left out of the college football playoff? I happen to think there is. Because if LSU beats Georgia and beats AM, then LSU will be in. 
Georgia will be in. Ohio State, Michigan winner will be in. And TCU will be in. SC will be out, which is crazy to me, which is crazy when you really think about that. Why? Because look at how much the committee values the Pac-12. This is where I'm having a very difficult time with this whole deal. The committee is telling us that the Pac-12 is awesome. The Pac-12 has half of their conference members ranked in the top 21. And yet, clearly, the committee's not really that sold on USC. That's mind-boggling to me. I mean, USC has a good win, obviously, against UCLA. UCLA is ranked 18th. USC has a good win, according to the committee, against number 21, Oregon State. USC has the opportunity this week to play against number 15, Notre Dame. Another good win possibility. And assuming Oregon beats number 21, Oregon State this weekend, they're favored, just barely, but favored. Then that now has another, another potentially top eight win for USC. And they still might be left out. Like that doesn't, that doesn't, that doesn't sit well with me. You can't tell me how great a conference is and then not have the winner of that conference. And by the way, the one loss that USC experienced this year was by one on the road at Utah, who also is in the top 14. I just think that the committee might have gotten that part of it wrong. I think USC, in order to you know, eliminate this shadow of a doubt, USC should have been five because they did have a good win against a quality team last week. LSU should have been six. Why? Because LSU has two losses. SC has one. Simple as that. I think the committee could have avoided a lot of headache if they would have just put SC at five, put LSU at six. Ultimately, is LSU going to beat Georgia? I saw some of the numbers already. Georgia right now is a 17-point favorite on the neutral side against LSU. So this might all work itself out, but it's still fun to talk about to a certain extent, right? Alabama sits at seven. Alabama fans keep trying to find a way for Alabama to get to the college football playoff. I personally don't see how it's going to happen. There is no way at this point for Alabama to strengthen their resume. The only thing that Alabama can do is sit and wait. Like right now, they have one opponent remaining that's against Auburn. Auburn's five and six. It's at home. That is not – if Auburn goes out – if Bama goes out and beats Auburn 49-0 – Is that going to change how you view Alabama? Probably not. So if it doesn't change how you view Alabama, it's probably not going to change how the committee views Alabama. But Alabama is still sitting there right now at seven. I don't think there's any way for them to move up, even if there's full chaos in front of them. I still think a one-loss Michigan or a one-loss Ohio State or potentially a one-loss Clemson, who currently sits at eight, could jump Alabama. I just think Alabama is about as high as they can get this year. But still, top seven, top eight, top nine, still a solid year. Not to Alabama standards, but not a disappointing year. Not that disappointing of a year, I guess, if you will, relative to what other teams would love to be. Looking at Clemson, this is another big topic of conversation. Clemson right now, do they have a chance into the playoff? I personally don't think it's going to happen. Barring something completely unforeseen. I think they really needed South Carolina to find their way into the ranking. They didn't, but Louisville did, and Clemson beat Louisville, so that helps a little bit. Louisville shouldn't be ranked. They're sitting there at 25, but I digress. They're in the top 25. Clemson beat them. So I guess that does give you an additional top 25 win. But here's the problem right now with Clemson. 
is that no matter what Clemson does down the stretch, South Carolina win and then eventually a win against North Carolina, neither of those wins, South Carolina or North Carolina, are going to be better than the win that Michigan has over Penn State, which currently sits at 11. That, I think, is what's going to be problematic because there's really no way for Clemson to jump. And then if Ohio State were to lose to Michigan, now you're talking about, well, they don't have as good a win as what Ohio State has against both Notre Dame, who's 15, and against Penn State, who's 11. So Penn State being 11 is fairly significant when it comes to who's going to be playing who and what the possibilities are if chaos ensues. Okay, so I just don't think there's enough right now on the bone for Clemson to get back in the mix. I know that's probably painful to hear if you're a Clemson Tiger fan. It's like, man, we're 11-1, to we're 12-1, and win the ACC, and we still don't have a chance. It's not your fault. It's just the ACC right now is just not very good. Just a few teams ranked in the top 25, whereas the Pac-12, six teams ranked in the top 21, you look at where the ACC's at, nowhere near as good as that. Shoot, you look at the American. Uh, they got more teams ranked, it feels like, the most. The American, you realize, have just as many teams ranked as the Big Ten. Uh, that's pretty wild when you look at that, okay? Looking at the rest of it, we already hit on what's going on with Clemson. Oregon's in a pretty good spot. Oregon can't get within striking distance, but they can, however, strengthen USC's resume if they play them in the Pac-12 championship game. Here's another thing that I have a major issue with. And I told you I was wrong on this yesterday, by the way. I was totally wrong. Uh, but Tennessee dropping to 10, I know Tennessee got blasted. They got blasted. I get it. To an unranked team, I get it. But LSU also got blasted. Okay, I know it wasn't to an unranked team, but it was on their home, home field. So we're forgiving the 27-point loss to Tennessee if you're LSU, but we're not forgiving the 25-point loss to South Carolina if you're Tennessee. Now, I'm not saying that Tennessee is – playing good football right now they're not infighting issues they might very well lose this week into vanderbilt I, none of those things are would surprise me at all tennessee is on the back nine right now of what's been a really good season and people are going to say well they they're ranked 10th because they're ranked 10th because you know hendon hooker's hurt and all stuff well there's 84 other guys on scholarship didn't those guys kind of deserve to go to a premier bowl game to me tennessee if lsu loses to georgia and bama wins against auburn you have three teams that were 10-2 and two in the regular season. One of those teams, Tennessee, beat the other two. So I think Tennessee should be rewarded by getting a trip to the Sugar Bowl, which is the premier destination for the SEC if you're not in the college football playoff. My personal opinion, Tennessee beat LSU. Tennessee beat Alabama. I don't care if Hendon Hooker's there or not. They should be rewarded with a trip to the Sugar Bowl. LSU, conversely, they lost to Tennessee, but they beat Alabama, so they should be two. They should be relegated to the Orange Bowl, which I think is a, obviously a phenomenal destination. And then Alabama, who would be number three out of those three, they would be relegated to the Cotton Bowl. So that's my own personal opinion. You might not care. That's how I think it should go. Sugar, Orange, Cotton, Tennessee, LSU, Alabama. And right now, these rankings would not reflect those bowl placements. So I know you guys probably don't care about that. You only care about the playoff. But if you're a Tennessee fan, I think you deserve the Sugar Bowl. That's just my personal opinion. Moving on, you got Penn State, Kansas State. Kansas State's significant because if, for whatever reason, TCU lost to Kansas State in the Big 12 championship game, Kansas State's sitting at 12. Would TCU still stay in at 12-1? and one? That's a possibility as well. I don't know if they will. Kansas State almost got them last time. If Kansas State gets them this time, 
Does TCU stay in the top four? I think that depends. I think they probably should, but I don't know if they will. Washington sits at 13. What a great year for Caleb DeBoer. Just a phenomenal year. Still an outside chance of getting into the Pac-12 championship game, but still a great year for Washington nonetheless. Utah sitting there. Notre Dame sitting there. Notre Dame a key cog, of course, when it comes to Notre Dame, uh, the argument in favor of Ohio State. If for whatever reason they lose this weekend, and Notre Dame a key cog in the discussion surrounding Clemson uh, and Southern Cal, if you will. So Notre Dame will have played three teams in the top eight, all of which with playoff aspirations, all of which with a possibility shoot. If Notre Dame can knock off Southern Cal, put them in the playoff. I don't care. <laughs> Finally, we'll round it out. Florida State, who's playing better than them right now in the ACC? I wish that there was a way to kind of remeasure up where everybody is at the end of the season. Unfortunately, Florida State played their way out over that three-game stretch. But, man, I think right now at 15, they're appropriately ranked. That's a good football team. They deserve a ton of respect. North Carolina sits at 17. Got to be very disappointed with how last week went. UCLA. Then the three-way shuffle right now that is the American Athletic Conference. Really good. Tulane at 19, UCF at 22, Cincinnati at 24. But there's one notable omission here. Where the heck is Coastal Carolina? I'm not saying that Coastal Carolina is a great football team. I'm not saying that they belong in the top 15. But if those three teams are ranked, and by the way, if Louisville's ranked, why is Coastal Carolina not? To me, Coastal Carolina should be at worst 25. Instead, Louisville's in there for no reason whatsoever. So that's the top 25 as it sits right now. Either way, not a ton of drama, but we can find some things that we had some issues with. And I think you guys let us know what your issues are with them as well. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence. The confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear more driven. All right. We usually save our previews for the, you know, the, the Friday show, maybe the Thursday show will occasionally hit a preview or two, but no, in this particular case, we got games coming up here a couple days from now. So want to make sure that you're prepared for those games, including one with significant implications. It's going to be Friday at noon on ABC. It's Tulane traveling to Cincinnati for the opportunity to host the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Let's talk about Tulane. Let's talk about Cincinnati. How about Tulane's turnaround this year? They have a chance to win 10 games in the regular season. That would mark its first 10-win season since 1998 when the Green Wave were in Conference USA. They also, by the way, in case you weren't paying attention last year, Tulane lost 10 games last year. They were 2-10. and 10. So now to be 10-2 and two is a remarkable job by Willie Fritz, and he deserves immense credit for everything that they've accomplished up to this point. They're also looking to become the first FBS school to go from a 10-game losing season to a 10-game winning season since Navy 
back in 2018 and 2019. Of course, Tulane trying to punch their ticket into the conference championship game for the very first time. Let's talk a little bit about Tulane, okay? So we can talk about Cincinnati too. Cincinnati, we know that Cincinnati is a fixture in the American Athletic Conference Championship game. We know there's been a fixture in the American Athletic Conference Championship for, gosh, as long as I can remember. But if you look at just what's happened this year, I know that it it seems, I don't want to be too much of a prisoner of the moment. This might be Luke Fickle's best coaching job. I mean, it, it might be. Why? Because it felt like last year's team was several years in the making, right? It felt like last year's team with all the veteran players, with the Desmond Ritters that had been there for four years, with the Sauce Gardeners that had been there for four years, with the Kobe Bryants that had been there for several years, it just felt like last year's season was a season in which there were going to be several, several implications. It's like they had peaked for the 2021 campaign. Well, that's accurate. They did peak in the 2021 campaign, but they backed it up this year with the season in many ways that was just as impressive. They're nine and two. They lost on the road at Arkansas in the first week of the season. And I might add, they had a handful of opportunities in that game in which they came up just a little bit short. And remember on the road at UCF, they lost that game by four. So they've done a lot of nice things this year and continue to be good on both sides of the ball. Ben Bryant has played pretty well at quarterback, replacing the departed Desmond Ritter. I think the running game has been pretty solid. McClellan, Corey Kiner, Kiner the transfer from LSU. They've done a pretty good job of distributing the football there as well. You were kind of wondering, all right, who's going to step up in Alec Pierce's absence? Well, in comes Tyler Scott. In comes Trey Tucker. Trey Tucker and Tyler Scott were both factors last year, but not the factors that they've been this season as those guys have taken on leadership roles. And then defensively, how about the season that Ivan Pace has put together? The guy's been phenomenal. He's got eight sacks. He's got 106 total tackles. Ivan Pace at linebacker, maybe one of the best defensive players in America, should be considered in an All-American situation. And then conversely now, I mean, hey, this Cincinnati group, they're not going to be exactly going up against a two-lane team that stinks, man. This two-lane team can flat out get after you. They are really good on both sides of the line of scrimmage. They're extremely physical. Michael Pratt does a pretty good job at quarterback, even though he knows where he fits in the offense. He's not going to be a guy that's taken a ton of risk. He's not going to be a guy that's taken a ton of opportunities to just chuck it down the field. He's not going to be a guy that you want dropping back 30 times in the ball game. He's going to take what the defense gives you and he's going to be really smart, but he's guy that makes it all go, you know, it's Ty J Spears. He's the running back. He's rushed for nearly a thousand yards. He's going to go over a thousand, likely on his first carry of the game. He sits currently at 996. So if you average it out, he averages six yards per carry. Means there on the first yard, you know, first carry of the game, he'll go over the thousand yard plateau. He's also got nine touchdowns. Uh, to compliment Pratt's, he's a quality runner as well. Pratt's a guy that's going to carry the ball himself, especially in the red zone. He's got nine touchdowns on his own. So it's really the run game that allows this thing to go. They have some good pieces in the wide receiver room, but they have three wide receivers that are over 400 yards, all three of which are capable, whether it be Deuce Watts, Jaquan Jackson, or Shea Wyatt. They can spread them out. They trust them all. And if you want to factor in Tyreek James, he's the tight end. Keep an eye on him in the red zone as well. Defensively, they're very solid. 
very solid across the board. Not a group that's going to pin their ears back and come after the quarterback, but they're going to be very, very steady. They're headlined by Dorian Williams and Nick Anderson. So those are the two guys there at the second level to kind of make it all go. Those two guys have combined for 180 tackles this year. Pretty good start there in the middle of that defense for the two-lane green wave. I think it's going to be a phenomenal back-and-forth game. I really do. I love both these teams. I lean towards two-lane in this situation. I know it's at Cincinnati, and I hate that for two-lane, but it feels like their year. Feels like they bounced back beautifully last week. I think they'll carry over some of that momentum. I think they'll get the big upset on the road against Cincinnati. Interesting line in this game, I might add. I wasn't sure exactly where it was going to end up. Cincinnati opened as a three-point favorite. That line is now down to two. So the money may be coming in on the green wave and affecting exactly how this thing looks from a Vegas perspective. So that's a great one on Friday, but it's not the only great one on Friday. We also have an awesome game involving the Florida Gators and the Florida State Seminoles. How about the job that Mike Norvell has done? I mean, seriously. I mean, Mike Norvell has been phenomenal all season long. And if you look at it, man, I mean, they're sitting here in a position to potentially win nine games in the regular season. That's great. That's amazing. Credit to him. I don't really think anybody would have anticipated this type of turnaround, but here they are with the possibility as a heavy favorite to win nine in a row. This team has really been defined by great moments and bad moments. Four great ones to start. They started 4-0, three bad ones in a row. They lost three in a row and they finished now with four in a row leading up to this game. That three-game losing streak was difficult to watch in so many ways. Of course, they lost to Wake Forest. No shame in that. Wake Forest, a difficult team to prepare for. But you look at how they played against NC State through the interception in the end zone, had the chance to win it. They obviously, I think, were in field goal range. Probably should have won it. Just a bad decision by Jordan Travis. A little too greedy there as they tried to win the game by scoring a game-winning touchdown. And then you look at Clemson. Clemson game, they had five really bad minutes in the game. They gave it all they wanted to try to come back and make it interesting. They just didn't have enough time left, but they were playing better at the end. However, in the last four weeks, completely dominant group. The way they've run the football, the way Jordan Travis is playing, the way the wide receivers continue to step up and make plays downfield. They have done a phenomenal job of being balanced and featuring their playmakers at running back. Trey Benson's the headliner. Trey Sean Ward's missed a little time, but he's been steady as well. And Lawrence Toafili is an excellent back as well. On the outside, there's not a more improved wide receiver core in the country with the additions that they've made via the portal. And I think defensively, how about the additions they've made defensively as well? You better be aware of where Jared Verse is at all times. And then Tatum Bethune there at the second level, he's excellent too at the middle linebacker spot. He transferred up from UCF. They're in a great spot. Nobody in the ACC is playing better football right now than the Florida State Seminoles. Now, on the other side of the coin, Florida's been a little bit more difficult to predict. Florida, remember, just last week, lost to Vanderbilt for the first time since 1988 at their place, that is. But you look at where Florida's at, man. They had come into that game having played pretty well. Just the week before, remember, Florida dominated South Carolina 38-6. 38-6. They also went to Texas A&M. I know, hey, Texas A&M's not great. But they went to Texas A&M, had a tremendous offensive performance en route to a 41-24 victory. That was on the heels of a couple-game losing streak. Remember, they played LSU pretty well. They didn't play well against Georgia, but who does? So they played LSU pretty well and made that game interesting in the fourth quarter 
as well. So I don't know, man. This Florida team is a little bit Jekyll and Hyde, and it's anybody's guess as to what you're going to get from them. We all know the Florida Gators. The, the thing that makes this whole thing go is Anthony Richardson. He plays well, you're in great shape. He plays poorly, they're in a tough spot. I expect him to play pretty well in this situation. It's a big game. It's a big opportunity. Some people have said it might even be his final game in a Florida Gator uniform. I wouldn't recommend that if he comes back for another year, another year in development, showcase a little more consistency. This guy could be the number one overall pick at some point in his career. He's not there yet. He's probably going to still be a first round pick, maybe a second round pick based on tools. But if you want to maximize your draft value, coming back for another year, I think would go a long way in allowing him to become a more complete player. We know this team wants to run the football. Montrell Johnson, the transfer from Louisiana, has been the lead back. He's been great, averages nearly six yards a carry. Anthony Richardson, of course, is going to use his own legs in the mix as well. He always has that big play potential. And if you give him the open field with 70, 80 yards in front of him, he'll take it the distance. There's no denying that. But don't lose sight of the freshman Trevor Etienne. This guy has game-breaking potential, very sudden, very quick, very shifty, and will be difficult to bring down in the open field if he can find some space. On the outside, the receivers have been somewhat disappointing. This passing game in general has been somewhat disappointing. Anthony Richardson completes just 56% of his passes, under 56 to be exact, 55.7. But the receivers really aren't great. Justin Shorter's their biggest body wide receiver. He's going to be a lead guy. But Ricky Pearsaw needs to be that slot and dependable option. He's been in and out of the lineup at times this year, but if he's back at 100%, it'll be big and significant for this passing attack. He needs to have a nice game. They also have Xavier Henderson. They also have uh, Keon Zipper. They also have Dejon Reynolds. They have a bunch of guys. They just need to figure out, all right, what is the pecking order going to be? Because you know Florida State's going to be keying more than likely on the run game. The passing game might ultimately be what allows Florida to make this game very interesting because they have talent at quarterback. They have talent at wide receiver. It's just that talent doesn't come to the forefront as often as it should. I think this game's going to be close. I think this game's going to be competitive. But with how Florida State's playing right now, I have to take the Seminoles. They've been too dominant along the front. They've been just been too dominant in the last month of the season for me not to take them right now and protect the home field and get the job done in the Doak, where it's probably going to be wild and be very excited to celebrate the possibility of a ninth win for the Seminoles. Starting your own small business can be a total roller coaster. Between all those bumpy twists and turns comes the actual business side of your business, which can really throw you for a loop. Luckily, with QuickBooks, you can manage your business with confidence from the start. So no matter how bumpy the ride gets, you can always stay on track. New business, no problem. Success starts with Intuit QuickBooks. Learn more at quickbooks.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 
Thanks so much for being with us. We hope you enjoyed the previews. You hope we, you enjoyed the, the conversation about the college football playoff committee rankings. It's been a fun week so far. It really has. But I just want you to know how much we appreciate you guys spending time with us. If you are in the car right now and you're listening to this via the podcast, drive safe to wherever it is your destination is taking you, man. We so appreciate you being along with the ride with us for the ride that is the 2022 college football season. It's been a blast so far, and we're not done yet. We still have so much more that we need to get to. So we're going to continue to attack the day. We'll be back tomorrow with Chris the Bear Felica, give you all the different angles that you need to hit, including the Egg Bowl, which kicks off tomorrow night. And, of course, you know what Friday's going to be. It's going to be wall-to-wall breakdowns of the biggest games throughout the course of the weekend. So for all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster, Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. We hope you have a wonderful day. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.